Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the September 20th episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have some stuff to talk about today. We have an interview in the Mystic Access Magic Castle a little bit later, and we also have some announcements. Absolutely. And they're kind of important announcements if you know about some of our products, and we hope you'll stay tuned for those. I know you're always excited about castle interviews, but don't fast forward through this part quite yet. So first, a note about September's class. Usually, for those of you who attend them or who know, we hold a free class every month via Zoom to share about some high-tech, low-tech, or no-tech topic to help improve your life. And in August, we didn't have one of these because we weren't really around much in August. And in September, we're working on two time-consuming secret projects that we can't talk about. And in doing that, it has made us unable to come up with a topic and then basically prepare for the topic. So this September, we will not have a free event, but we will have one in October. And we already know what that one's going to be. We do. We are planning and getting the next couple done because we never have one in December, but we'll definitely have one in October and November. And we apologize two months in a row, something we've never done of not having an event. But we don't want to give you half-baked information. We know you come to us for quality and we don't want to present anything less than our best quality information for you. Because we don't play that way, we're just going to hold off and let you do something else with your evening <laughs> during what would have been our class time. Go have some fun or relax or watch a good show or read a good book or attend someone else's quality information that night. And we will be happily back with you in October. And if you don't know about our classes and you want to find out more, join our events list. It's a free mailing list. It's announced only and it's available via any page of our site. Just enter your email address, confirm it, and you'll be ready to go. So let's talk for a second about password managers, specifically 1Password. For those of you that know, we have a 1Password tutorial that was created in June of last year, and it was for 1Password version 7. And 1Password version 7 was very accessible. It was a complex program, which is one reason Chris did the documentation for it. It used an extensive password vault, and there was a lot you could do with it. And he actually worked with Agile Bits, the creators of 1Password, and they knew about it and were really happy and excited about it. And it was just an interesting project. 1Password 8 comes along, and it is a totally different beast. So usually what we would say in a tutorial is that when the upgraded version comes out, our tutorial would still be relevant. However, because it is such a drastic change from 1Password 7, the tutorial is not relevant for version 8. However, you can still get version 7 from Agile Bits for Windows, Mac. It's in the App Store under 1Password version 7. And the reason I say this is because we will be sunsetting the product. What is sunsetting? It means that it's reached its end of life. So what we're going to do is we're going to, from now until October 31st, we are going to put it on sale and it is on sale for $35 instead of $49 so we give you that kind of discount if you want to get it and again if 1Password 7 is your thing and you don't want to upgrade or whatever then you can still utilize the tutorial we will not be doing a tutorial for 1Password 8 1Password 8 
by the way, is not as accessible as version 7. So that's pretty much why we're not doing a tutorial for 1Password 8, because it's not as accessible as its predecessor. AgileBits is aware of this, and they will be addressing 1Password 8's accessibility, but we don't know when. Right, we don't know where that is in their calendar. It has not happened yet. And so as of now, we're just going to call this project one and done. There's also another reason that you might want to take advantage of this. Yes, thanks to AgileBits, you can actually receive, by purchasing the tutorial, six months of 1Password. So six months for free of the 1Password product. Now this means that you can't already have an existing account. It's for new accounts only, but you could spend the money on the tutorial and get six months for free, which I think is worth more than the price that we're charging the tutorial, quite frankly. And you'll be able to get seven, as Chris said, it's available for PC, Mac, iOS, and Android, correct? Yes. And you will look on either the App Store or the Play Store. Probably you want to make sure it says 1Password 7. So that'll make sure you have the accessible version of 1Password. And then you can get free service. Yes. So that'll allow you to check it out, see if it works for you, see if you like the layout. And then hopefully by the time six months is over, they will have updated the accessibility for 1Password 8. But even if they do that, note that 1Password 8, just for full transparency, might be very, very different looking than 7 was. But at least you'll kind of have an idea how the product and program behaves. It's definitely different than 1Password 7. It's a product that's a modern Windows app, so the whole familiar Windows dialogues and menus and stuff are not in that product, from what I saw. Mm -hmm when I played with it very briefly and then needed to access my stuff, so I reverted back, and this was December, January timeframe. Now, of course, there are other accessible password managers available. We've been the, playing with some of them recently. Yes, we have a couple of password managers that we can recommend should you be looking for an accessible password manager. Now, having said that, they're accessible today. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean they'll be accessible tomorrow, but that's how everything works. But the two of them that we've played with are Keeper, K-E-E-P-E-R, from Keeper Security. It's a pretty good one. And Bitwarden. Bitwarden is also very accessible. And I know for sure Bitwarden has a totally free option where you can synchronize between multiple devices and all that. So if that's your thing and you want to get rid of your passwords in your notepad that says passwords.txt, which is <laughs> probably not a good idea, then you can put them in a password vault. Both of these products require the usage of a web browser. Yeah, you have to be relatively comfortable moving around in the browser and familiar with keystrokes that you, you would use with a screen reader to make that possible. So that may lead you to a question. Well, are you guys going to record documentation for one or both of these? The answer is currently no. That is not in our current plans. It's not something we've sat down and said, yes, early in the new year, we're going to record something for this or this. However, if we discover that there is interest, what we may do is hold a class and charge a very minimal fee for it. And then if it turns out to be good information that we share, which we certainly always hope it will, but you never know with classes, sometimes the tech does not behave properly. But if it turns out to be a good class, we will, as we have done in the past, turn that class into a product for others to purchase. So your initial class fees will 
kind of cover us researching and implementing the information into the class, and then others can benefit when it becomes a product as well. That's a thought. That's something that we might do for either or both of these password managers, maybe do one class with both. We could even revisit something like LastPass, which we've both used in the past, and, you know, give you guys some options for potential password managers that you could check out. These have been covered in the accessibility world, in the screen reader world before. You know, some people have talked about these, so it's something you can look up in terms of how it works. But sometimes it's really good to see some demo in conjunction with trying to discover what you'll like best. And password managers are always hard to deal with because you're dealing with sensitive information on what you can or are willing to show. Yep, that's why we would pre-record a class like this, and then you guys could ask questions live if we do something like that, because we don't want our specific passwords out there either. Or sometimes website logins and stuff, you don't yes. want that out there. Hopefully this will be of value to you to have this on sale, and you can check it out, or let's say you know someone who has that notepad document full of passwords, encourage them maybe to pick this up, or pick it up as a gift for them, that's something you can always do through our site, and give them a chance to check it out and see if this or maybe something like it, maybe they just have never heard of password managers and kind of want to know what one might look like, see if this kind of warms them up towards, oh, this could be easier. Let's talk about sunsets. Okay. I so like sunsets. You do like sunsets? Although sometimes they can be a little sad in the case of the sunsets that we're talking about. For those of you that know, we have our sweet success with the iOS audio modules. And these tell you the nuts and bolts of iOS. There are 24 of them. There are 24 of them. And they were recorded quite a long time ago. I think these were done in what, 20... 2017? Yeah. So they've been around a while. Yes. And some things change, like positions of things, new features are added and stuff like that. While the material is still relevant, we think it is time to sunset these as well. And what we're going to do for that is we're going to give you a substantial discount on these modules. For example, if you wanted all 24 of them, the price is $300. And you would buy a specific bundle of all 24. Correct. For 300 But it's not 300 now. It's 150 so we're slashing that price half off. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's for 20 plus hours of audio. Yes. Now, originally in 2017, Lisa Salinger recorded most of these for us. Chris and I were involved in a few of them, but for the most part, this is Lisa. And we go through everything from initial setup to Siri, typing, messages, email, internet browsing, calendars, games. There's all kinds of things in these modules. And I would consider 1 through 12 being more foundational modules and 13 through 24 being a little more advanced in terms of what they cover, although there is some overlap. The modules come in four sets, 1 through 6, 7 through 12, 13 through 18, and 19 through 24. And, of course, in the product for each of them, there's a table of contents that tells you what's in there. Or, as Chris said, you can get the entire set if you kind of want to learn everything. The information, as he says, is still valid. There's a lot of good information there, but there's also a lot that needs to be either revoked or improved. So, for the most part, things will work as were stated. But like, here's an example. Accessibility is now its own settings category. It's not under general anymore. Some of it's stuff like that that has changed. But there's new stuff too, like widgets. You know, so there's a lot of information that we would vary for a new version of Sweet Success with iOS. 
And we don't know when that is going to come out. Mm -mm. But we hope early next year that we can take time and revise it and recreate 24 modules worth of iOS material for you and do something new. They won't all necessarily be the same as they are now, but we will be revising them. And for anyone thinking about the rumor mill, no, this has nothing to do with Lisa. <laughs> this is just something that, you know, we've decided after this period of time needs to be retired and replaced with a newer, more updated version. This is just kind of one of those things that in the course of the product cycle, sometimes things have to go away and be replaced by new things. And that's what's happening here. Right. So in terms of the modules, you get them in groups of six, as we said, and they used to be $75 for a group of six. Now they're 50. If you find that you really don't want all 24, you just want one or two sets, they're 50 bucks a piece, which is still a really good deal. Like the one password tutorial, the sunset for the Sweet Success modules will be October 31st, 2022. And that is no trick. <laughs> so end of day Halloween for both of these, this and one password will be the last day you can get them. Welcome everybody. This is great and I am thrilled that so many of you have joined us. I do have a few things. I don't want to go overly long with announcements, but there are a couple. There was no good place to start these modules. And settings seemed like the best and easiest place because if your phone or your device isn't customized the way that you want it, your experience is going to be less pleasant and in some cases more difficult. What this means is I am throwing a lot of information at you. You don't have to absorb it all. The really nice thing about a lot of this is that it is set it and forget it. And the concepts that you learn, like double tapping and finding back buttons, will stand you in good stead for the use of many apps on your phone. I always tell people that the learning curve for these devices, and I say this in the recording, I have a bad habit of saying phone when I mean any iDevice. So if you have an iPod Touch or an iPad, don't panic. It's just me trying to use generalities a bit. But the learning curve is kind of steep. So if you've had trouble, be patient, be gentle with yourself. The nice thing is that once you get over the initial kind of steep part of the hill, you build up some momentum, you pick up speed, you find out that things relate to one another and your learning really does increase kind of exponentially. I would also encourage you to feel free to explore. If something is a little different on your device because you're running a different version, Go ahead, double tap that thing, see what it says. The phones, I mean, they're technology, so they can get flaky, but overall, they're pretty darn stable. Unless you're doing something physical to it, like throwing it or hitting it with a hammer, there's very little that you can do to really mess it up. So I do encourage you to explore and to try and have a sense of open curiosity and not be afraid of it. One final thing before we start the audio is we have an offer to tell you about. Voiceover practice button. Now, this said voiceover practice button, so this tells us that double tapping this will do something. In this case, it's going to take us into the voiceover practice area where you can practice these gestures. I'm going to double tap. Selected. General button. 
One of two. Braille. Button. Two of two. I have two options here. General is selected, and that will allow me to practice general voiceover gestures. If I want to practice Braille screen input, which is a way of entering text, then I would choose Braille. However, if you're just beginning, general is probably where you want to start. I'm going to flick right again. Done. Button. When I'm all done, that's what I'll want to find and double tap. Practice voice over gestures, commands, and typing in this area. Select the Done button in the top right corner and double tap to exit. I'm now in the practice area. So if I flick right for more information, it's not going to give me any more information in this particular area, but it's going to tell me that I have flicked right and it will explain what that does. Let's listen. We also have a treat, and that is because Apple just released a new watch, we're going to put the Apple Watch tutorial on sale until November 21st. This one will not be going away. No, it will not be going away. At some point, probably another year from now, we'll revamp this one. We'll completely re-record it. But right now, there aren't enough new features, we don't feel at this stage, to make that a number one priority. But let's give you an example of something that has changed specifically, and that is water lock. Before version 9 of the Apple Watch, if you wanted to turn off water lock, you would turn the crown. Now you press and hold the crown. It was really kind of funny because I got a call from Miss Salinger just the other day, and she says, I updated to version 9, and the only way I can get out of water lock is by putting it on the charger. I says, hmm, I guess you haven't pressed and held the crown. <laughs> she says, nope, that works fine. <laughs> So it's great because there was only one way you could turn the crown. So if you turned it the other way, it totally wouldn't work. And I know some people were probably freaking out going, I, I broke my watch. I drowned my watch. But no, you just have to turn the crown a certain way. But fortunately, at 9, that's no longer an issue. Yes, and that's probably one of the big feature changes. Big feature changes that the tutorial really doesn't cover. The tutorial, again, was done a few years ago. It was updated in 2019. But it's also getting started tutorial and it's not meant to cover every single feature on the Apple Watch. It's meant for you to explore some of those features on your own but it gives you the foundational knowledge to explore the rest of the watch on your own. So this is great if you're a new watch user altogether. You're new, maybe you're just updating because of version 9 or let's say you're getting a new watch then this may be perfect for you. Or, let's say you just aren't really familiar or comfortable with some of these features, this is a great time to check them out. And That's one of the things about the iOS modules. If you are kind of afraid of your phone, but you want to take advantage of some of the new 16 features, it's a perfect time to learn some of this basic information that we know that is still valuable and usable from that iOS documentation. So, we wanted to make sure that our Apple stuff was on sale currently, so that as many people as possible could take advantage of it and learn something new or gain more confidence or just get more happy and familiar using their Apple devices, whether you're getting a brand new one in the product cycle or whether you just have an old one that you want to learn more about. And we'll double tap this. 
back button. This is not very intuitive because nowhere did it tell you that you should press this button to continue pairing, but we're not at an info button, so I have done this. Let's look at this screen, and I'm doing this by flicking right on the watch with one finger. Pair Apple Watch manually. Button. A video of thousands of tiny effulgent lights swarming in a sphere that is used to pair the Apple Watch when aligned with the yellow box on your iPhone's pairing screen. Image. A video of thousands of... And that's all we've got on that screen, so I'm going to flick left and double tap pair manually. Pair Apple Watch manually. Button. Pair a Done. Button. Apple Watch 80259. And that's my Apple Watch. The number is 80259. So let's flick right on the iPhone. Devices. Heading. Apple Watch 80259. Button. If you only have one Apple Watch and you don't have or haven't had any others paired, you can skip this step because you'll only see mention of one watch. We want to tell you about one more product that has said goodbye. And you may have noticed it or you may not have noticed it, but we wanted to bring it to your attention. The free blind shell tutorial that we had on our free downloads website has disappeared. It is now gone. And the reason for that is it was causing confusion. Yes. People were trying to use it with their new Blindshell Classic 2s. And while 80% of what's covered in the tutorial was still valid, it just confused people because they didn't have a cursor cross. They didn't have a OK button. There was just a few buttons and menu items that have changed. When you're trying to learn your brand new device with a tutorial that's outdated physically, the physical mm -hmm. orientation of the Classic 1 is much different than the physical orientation of the Classic 2. So we have decided to pull the blind shell tutorial off of the free downloads page. Yep, so that is no longer available. So, announcement's over. Time for a castle insert. And you know, we've been talking a lot about iOS. Of course, we have a lot of familiarity with iOS. We have iDevices. But we also have a lot of familiarity with a couple of hardworking guys from the company we're about to feature. Yes, we are. And they're going to talk about a new product that they have available and it was announced I believe in July and started shipping in August and it is the Stellar Trek. Welcome to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. We are always delighted to have guests here in the Mystic Access Magic Castle, but no time more than when we have something fun and new to announce. And many of you have probably already heard the buzz about what we're going to be talking about today. But it is so fun to be able to hear about it straight from the source, as it were, from two hardworking guys who live it every day through their work at HumanWare. We are delighted to have returning friend and colleague, Peter Tusick, who is Director of Strategic Partnerships at HumanWare, back with us, who has been with us many times before. And someone perhaps new to you, who we are just getting to know, Matthew Paquette, who is the product manager of audio assistance and GPS at HumanWare. Matt, Peter, lovely to have you both here. Love to be here. It is fantastic to be back. I feel like I've been on hiatus for about, uh, I'm going to say 14 months, but I have no <laughs> way of checking that information quickly. <laughs> there you go. 
we well, I'm sure our listeners could tell you that. Yeah, I'm sure they would know for sure. So we are talking about the Stellar Trek. So, the Stellar uh, Trek. Yeah. So there we go. So Stellar Trek is our new product at Humanware. Well, first of all, my name is Matthew. As Kim mentioned, I'm the product manager at Humanware for everything that's audio assistance. So that means like the Victor Reader Stream, the Trek, the Stratus, as well as the GPS products. So the Victor Reader Trek once again, and the Stellar Trek. And yeah, the Stellar Trek's our newest offering. We released it a couple of weeks ago. It is our very first foray into the world of artificial intelligence. So for your listeners who are familiar with humanware products, you know that we had a product a few years ago called The Breeze, which was a fairly popular product for people who like GPS products. And we went away from The Breeze. We went with the Victor Reader Trek to make a model that was sort of a hybrid between the book reader and a GPS. And then, you know, the team here was thinking about getting... People liked it, but some people really prefer having dedicated devices that do one thing. So we were looking into having a sort of a Breeze 2.0 type of thing. And then the team said, you know what, let's not just make a GPS, let's augment it. Let's put something more on it. And that's where artificial intelligence came in. So we've added two cameras on the back of the unit, which allow for a lot of cool things to happen on the unit. We can do OCR, we can do address recognition. So basically, once you get at your destination, you can take a picture of the door. The the device will guide you to frame your picture correctly, take a picture and confirm you're at the right place. And this is what we can currently do. And then, you know, the future, the possibilities are sort of endless. That's amazing. It is so cool that you are integrating AI into this project. And many people are going to be saying, okay, well, this is something I can do on my iPhone. But frankly, there are a lot of people who either want to use something concurrent with their iPhone or in addition to their iPhone. And some people who are like, I'm not doing it. I don't want one of these things. No, I still want a dedicated device that I can utilize that has nothing to do with an iDevice or an Android device. I'll tell you where a dedicated device such as the Stellar comes into play, and that is battery life. Yeah. So I remember the days of going out with the Braille Note and the GPS, and while those had very good battery life, then I graduated to the iPhone like a lot of people did. And if you turn on GPS, at least in Mm -hmm. those days, your battery life just went bye-bye. And I don't know, I don't want to be in the middle of a strange city and have my my GPS just die. So I think that's one reason why a dedicated device, if you're out traveling and you don't want to get lost and you want to rely on that battery. I mean, your iPhone does double up as a hand warmer, though, if you're using the GPS at the same time, because yes. it gets really warm. <laughs> but yeah, on the Stutter Trek, so obviously we don't have a tactile screen, which is what takes up the battery a lot on a device like an iPhone or a Samsung mm-hmm. phone. We've had testers running this device for a year as their daily driver, and they mentioned to me that they charge it about once a week. The battery life on continuous operations about 20, 22 hours. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think the other piece of that, you know, a lot of times we hear, and I live in the middle of Chicago, I live in the middle of a a large city, you know, when I'm walking around, I don't know about you, but my one handed iPhone use, it can be a little tricky. You know, we have one hand on a cane, you have another hand, maybe holding something, maybe you're receiving sighted guide, maybe you have a dog guide. You know, we do need to use our devices with one hand, especially if we're getting GPS directions and things. And a lot of times, you know, it's not very conducive to have your iPhone pushed up against your face to kind of try and one-handedly operate it as you travel. So even as someone, I mean, and and I've used the iPhone for 
the better part of a decade. And there still is certainly a place for these standalone devices and products. We also have a lot of folks who are newer to vision loss who struggle tremendously with touchscreen devices. And, you know, we, I tell everyone, if you prefer your iPhone, that's fantastic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I certainly use Waze and Blind Square and other apps. Of course I do. But with that being said, a lot of times as I'm out and about, I was telling the story a couple of weeks ago of my daughter. I took, I have a one and a half year old daughter and I take her for walks. And sometimes when she gets tired, I put her on my back. And I definitely need to have a free hand, you know, just to have a free hand. I can't just be holding my iPhone up and not listen to her and kind of having my cane in the other hand and whatnot. So when I have something like the Stellar kind of giving me those instructions, I can quickly reach down and push a button, get my direction of travel, know my cross streets. All of those things are there. It is greatly beneficial to me as opposed to kind of walking around with my iPhone kind of held up in the air, just hoping for the best. And so we do find a lot of users who do use both. And then we also find a lot of users who, as the device matures, will you know, we'll see the value kind of in what we're bringing forward as a standalone device, because we are going to be bringing in some of this artificial intelligence, some of these other use cases, not just point A to point B direction. Yeah. So what are your thoughts for the AI? What kind of things do you potentially see it doing? So currently the AI is used for, as I mentioned before, address recognition. When we say AI, obviously, artificial intelligence is not 100%. It is not on anything. So you'll take a picture of a door and about currently in our testing, depending on the environment, depending on the weather conditions, the lighting and all of that, we get success rates that range from about 60 to 90%. So if it's like clear skies and beautiful weather and it's standard residential area where all the addresses are in fairly standard, we're getting about 90%. If it's more of a commercial area with a lot of glass windows that reflect light and stuff like that, then we drop down to about 60%. This is what we can currently do. It is the all done offline, so you don't need internet. Now, moving forward, the stuff that we are trying to do, we're talking about stuff like scene recognition, currency recognition. There's a lot of very cool stuff that we can do with the pictures. We're talking about perhaps stuff like crosswalk recognition. So it will tell you if there's a crosswalk nearby and then direct you to the proper place to cross the street. You know, traffic light detection, obviously traffic light detection is a bit of a sensitive area because if you give the wrong information, it can potentially be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So that is something that we would, you know, we are working on currently, but we wouldn't release unless... This is a place where having a 60 to 90% accuracy rate would not be acceptable. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so we are shooting for 100% in that area because I would really, really be embarrassed if we were to tell someone, yeah, the light, light's green and in reality it's red. And, and with with that being said, though, I, I think it's interesting when we look at these products and kind of their success rate. And we think of any GPS product or we think of any mm -hmm artificial intelligence, we can't have unlimited faith in machinery, right? If we, I'm often, and I think I've brought this up on previous episodes here, I've had folks come up to me at, at booths at various shows and say, you know, I was using my GPS and it brought me, you know, into the middle of some street. And I'll say, well, why would you walk into the middle of the street? Like, you don't want to do that. You know, we have to be using our travel skills. Mm -hmm. There's a great episode of The Office where Michael Scott, is driving the car and the GPS tells him to turn right. And he just drives off of a pier into some yeah. waterway. <laughs> and it's very accurate. You know, a lot of times yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been in an Uber or a Lyft where the driver's like, you know, it's, you have arrived. And the driver says, I don't know where this is taking me. You know, I don't, I need, we need to figure this out. So, you know, I do think that, you know, with this, we do need to take this with a grain of salt in terms of the accuracy 
But we also, at the end of the day, we need to be able to problem solve and we being blind travelers, right? We're not just going to assume that these devices are going to be perfect every time, regardless of whether you're using a smartphone application to read your mail or a product like the Stellar Trek to read an address on a building. You know, we do need to have other methods to validate or verify information. In addition to just using the orientation and mobility skills that we learn when we lose vision, whether that's as a child going through school, somebody who's receiving services from the state or from their local vision loss sort of rehabilitation space. So it's interesting. I think we'll see some major progress, but I don't think, you know, we should let the inconsistencies get in the way of the benefit that can be provided by some of this information is it's tremendous. And I've seen some very, very neat examples of where this AI can shine. And Matt's talking about streetlight detection, and I've seen it work with high levels of accuracy. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of fascinating how you know we are trained to use parallel traffic we are trained to identify traffic patterns and how very quickly that can kind of be kind of put into a machine learning can replace that for us and we shouldn't let that happen although mm -hmm. it can be very neat when it does work and you're like wow i can just use this yeah so it's really neat to see how this is all progressing years ago when i was working with the gps we were doing this event where they would team a couple of people up together and we were told to go to a specific destination so they would drive us around the little area and drop us off and then we were supposed to use the gps to find the destination so my partner and i were the first ones there and a couple few minutes later somebody else another two people came and they says, is this XYZ restaurant? And we both said, yes, it is. And they're like, well, how did you know? I said, because we went in and asked them. So <laughs> the good old exactly. isn't, isn't Isn't that something, right? Yes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, low it's tech, so but true. It works. We're going to use our, and as Matt just said, low tech, you know, no yes. tech. Yes. We yep. always have to use high tech is not the answer. We have high tech, low tech, and no tech. And no tech can be just those problem solving skills and thinking, hmm. There doesn't seem to be a sidewalk here. I don't think I'm going to go straight or I'm going to do it in such a way, you know, I'm going to start exploring, but I have to be very conscious of where I am in space or I need to listen to ask for instruction. And so it's amusing how we kind of put all those puzzle pieces together and really look at how AI can help as it certainly has already been able to help us as blind travelers. Kim and I were in the airport a few weeks ago. In O'Hare. In O'Hare. state, in O'Hare. And the elastic in my cane decided that it wanted to give out. Oh, so that was a fun experience. So here we're with a person at the airport. Yeah, we did get assistance. We did get assistance. But here now there's two blind people. One doesn't have the cane because it's like literally falling it's apart. Fall into pieces. <laughs> yes. it fall, it literally, it yes. literally I've, fell I've into pieces. There. Yes. Mm -hmm. And here I am with her pink and purple and blue cane. I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Because he was the guy in front, so he had the wifey cane, you there know, you wandering around. But it worked, you know. It I worked. Mean, you, you want that extra layer of protection when you're walking with an assistant who is <laughs> well. No and idea. and I, I do think, you know, and you, you mentioned kind of where do we see this AI going? And one of the major implications is the hope that we will continue to see improvements in indoor navigation. Yes. You, you mentioned O'Hare. You mentioned airports. You know, transit, we you know train stations, other indoor settings are very difficult to navigate from a GPS standpoint or a mapping standpoint yep. because we have not seen a consistent indoor navigation standard. We do believe that's changing. We've seen some very promising pieces that are looking like they may be a universal solution. A lot of times until now, we've seen where, oh, somebody has mapped this one particular area very well because they spent the time and they put the infrastructure in and they did this. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make it 
across, you know, you can't scale that necessarily, you know, it's going to work in that one train station or that one building. But when you try to bring it to the surrounding seven blocks, it's not going to fly. But we're starting to see some advancements and hopefully again, be another space where a product like the Stellar Trek, because it has cameras on it, will be able to take advantage of some of these new technologies that allow us to map in real time or build various types of indoor navigation so that we could eventually have much better access to not just a particular airport, but a whole series of buildings or, you know, all sorts of implications there for indoor nav. So I think that's the other space that we're really looking at. You know, I think the ultimate dream, one thing I would love is, can you imagine having a device where you could take a picture of someone and, and follow them? How, mm. how many times have someone yes. said, just follow me? And Absolutely. Think, well, I need to take your elbow, right? What if you didn't have to? And I'm not saying this is something yeah. we're on, but you know, this is what we really want to start pushing the envelope of what AI can do for us. And if, boy, if I could take a picture and follow someone, I think I would be, I know, I'd just start I following you. all kinds of people. You right? know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care where you're going. I just want to follow you. I'm just following you because it's cold. Where are you going? I can do that now, you know. But I think AI can start to open those sorts of doors that we've never really thought about before. Yep, for sure. One of the things that Kim and I were playing with over the past few weeks are the Envision glasses, which has person detection and facial recognition. And that's really cool to play with. I mean, obviously, you'd have to put them in your own little personal database. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the fun of that is to have looked in a certain direction and it says, oh, there's Kim. Oh, hi, Kim. You know, (laughs) so you can talk to somebody and know that they're actually in the room. So (laughs) very helpful for a conference. I mean, I know you guys have worked a lot of conferences. I've seen you around in the the conference circuit where, you know, the booth is busy or or you're at these tables or you do want to know who might be lurking in the shadows, right? And, And a lot of times we don't have that ability. And that's certainly something we're looking at. I mean, the people detection, we know it's in yep. you know, Envision. We know it's in sort of those mainstream apps. You think of seeing AI and others, mm-hmm. and it's very neat. And we can use it in creative ways. And I think also think of the deafblind individuals yes. Yes. who can benefit from mm-hmm. knowing who's in the room because they can't just, you know, right. someone can't just pick up on the hello phrase and know who it is. Or right. So there's so much more there that we can unpack with some of these features for sure. And again, that you know, I think it does come back to the device at its core is what we have always done. The Stellar Trek is a GPS device that will get you from point A to point B. Your turn-by-turn instructions, your ability to virtually browse your environment before you leave. So having you know virtual map browsing mode, mm-hmm. being able to look at the street grid before you get there. Open area mode is another place where a product like the Stellar Trek and previous standalone GPS products have been able to shine over something like an iPhone because absolutely yes. you're able to yeah. work in that college campus. You're able to yes. go hiking. You know, you're able the to parking go lot. Yeah. Yeah. Those big parking lots and really drop a pin, if you will. You know, and so I think a lot of times that gets overlooked because we can do so much on these other devices, mainstream devices, but something like open area mode sounds simple. But it gives us a major advantage over, you know, the typical sort of apps available on a smartphone. That's what Kim and I were trying to do a couple of weeks ago in North Carolina was kind of like an open maps or whatever. And that way you drop the pin and you come back to it without relying on the maps that yes. are, frankly yeah. are, are no good maps over there. Mm. We tried another GPS product. And instead of going down the road that was actually supposed to be in the database, the road that we were physically on, which is a, kind of a straight shot, it wanted to go somewhere else and come up all these different roads. And it was just like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, we're already yeah. here. We want to use what we've got, you know. <laughs> and it also allows you then when you do use open area sort of modes like that, 
you know, you're getting clock face directions. You're getting kind of directions to your starting or ending point, you know, as the crow flies, if you will. Yep. And a lot of times that forces you to use your travel skills, right? You're not just going to turn right and go through a ravine. You might have to circumvent <laughs> that ravine or kind of get creative. Hopefully. Yeah. But we do find it to be very, very beneficial in a lot of unique scenarios, the open area mapping and whatnot, and kind of forcing yourself into those non-street grid environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? We're talking about a lot about the GPS, but one thing that came, we had recently some user focus groups and whatnot. And one of the things that came out of them was the OCR features on on the unit. A lot of people were pleasantly surprised. And I've even heard of some people saying that they would buy it just for the OCR feature. They didn't need the GPS, but they thought it was a great handheld OCR device. So basically we have two modes. We have the quick and the detail. The quick reading is just you know, to look around in your environment, see if there's any, if there's a sign that let's say that you're at the door of a business and you want, you take a quick picture of the door and it's going to tell you the opening hours, if they're posted on the door and stuff like that. And then the detailed reading will kind of frame you sort of like the address recognition. It'll guide you. It'll tell you, turn your device clockwise, counterclockwise, move further, move closer. And then it'll take a picture of whatever you want to do. And in a webinar that we had last week, Peter took a picture of some Cheez-Its, which are some of his favorite snacks, and then had it read. It saw that there was a nutrition info section, and then it put that into its own section, and then it'll read it, you know, salt content, fat content, so on and so forth. It'll be, you know, line by line. So it works. It's really good OCR device. And yeah, we had some people say, you know what, I'll just buy it just for the OCR. I don't really need a GPS. If I need it someday, then fine. But for now, I need something to read stuff. And then on that side, on the AI side, then stuff that we're worked on is add some stuff like color recognition, perhaps in the future or barcodes, or, you know, we're looking into those things. I'm not saying that they're coming for sure, but the team is exploring those possibilities and perhaps we'll have them in the future. Yeah, once the ID mate was no more, mm-hmm. it's hard to find a barcode reader that's with that easy, type of accuracy. That's easy to use, and you're not spending 20 minutes trying to find the barcode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think one piece, you know, and that's something we will be faced with is because we want to keep a lot of this offline. We need to get creative with how do you right keep all of that offline. We certainly mm-hmm. at some point we may not be able to keep everything offline, but we would like to keep you know the OCR is performed offline, the address recognition, the door detection, these things are offline. If we were to bring in the database side, you know, the device will ship with 32 gigs of storage. The maps are, we're still using here maps. Those are high definition maps. So they do take up considerable amounts of space. And so we will definitely, you know, when we start looking at those pieces, you have to get creative in how we're going to manage and kind of look at keeping things offline, protecting privacy, whilst at the same time, bringing the value forward. And I know for a fact, the barcode scanner has been asked for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's something yeah. that, again, much like any of these mainstream apps, we have a lot of users who really do want that sort of use case. They don't want to pull out an application and try to spin it around in circles and just you know try to find the barcode on something. And there have been products that have performed very well. And unfortunately, you know those products have gone away. So I think we're in a perfect space to kind of assess where we stand with something like the Stellar Trek to get it kind of into some other spaces. So we've had some great conversation about the feature set of this, what it can do, what it may potentially be able to do in the future. But I know many of you are probably like, just show us already. So let's have a little fun and do a bit of demo with this. Sounds good. One thing I'll demonstrate is kind of how we're able to break down the ingredients and kind of nutritional values and things in food. And that's one thing we've spent some time on is the ability to do that. So I will take a picture of... 
my trusty big huge cheese its box here. <laughs> so I had mentioned kind of it, Matt had brought up what we're doing with OCR. And one of those pieces is, you know, we've all taken OCR images of a letter we've received or, you know, maybe a, an article we're reading. And it does great when we read information from left to right, going from top to bottom. A lot of times, you know, we do have information though that's presented in tables or presented in strange ways and not strange, but strange to OCR, but very visually appealing ways. Things are put in tables or columns. And sometimes OCR can struggle with that. When you get tables, when you get information that's presented in various visual ways, it can be a bit of a challenge. It reads everything in these big chunks. One such case would be the ingredient or nutrition facts on products. And I did not know until I received my beta, really alpha Stellar Trek unit quite some time ago that on products, most of the nutritional or ingredient information is actually on the side of the box. I've always taken pictures of the front or the back of the box to know what it is and you know, maybe some cooking instructions. The side of the box is where you find a lot of the, you know, on a box of cereal, or in this case, I have a box of Cheez-Its where you'll kind of find information related to serving size and all these things that we just don't always really, really get. So I have the, the device here and I'm going to do a little bit of OCR and we're going to take a picture of the ingredients slash nutrition facts here and we're going to see what we get. So I'm currently in explore mode. You will get a chance to hear the device. Just from a quick physical description standpoint, the top face, there is a very easy to reference four-way arrow keypad with a confirm button in the middle. So a five button keypad up, down, left, right, and confirm. Above that, you have a back button that is marked with a horizontal line. You have a go-to button that is going to be your top right key. And on the bottom below your arrow keys, there are two buttons. The bottom left is where am I? And the bottom right is voice because we do have offline dictation in terms of entering address numbers or street names or city names and such. So it is a very simple and clean interface. I am currently on, I'm in explore mode. I'm currently going to press and hold my up arrow to bring us into the actual OCR sort of menu here. So I'm going to press and hold up arrow. Detection modes, address confirmation. And we hear that the first detection mode is address confirmation. And this is where we would receive the confirmation of a door where it was and an address number if one was present. I'm going to press my right arrow. Quick reading. This is quick reading. As Matt had mentioned, this is where we're capturing text quickly in our environment. We point our camera. It's going to take a picture every about every one second and read any text that it comes across. Very useful if you're just trying to identify, let's say you have four or five cans. You need to quickly know the difference between them. Maybe you're taking a picture of your computer screen to see if it's even on. Maybe you're taking a picture of, you know, I, I do this a lot with food and whatnot, but just again, to quickly gather text. I also do this when I'm traveling to quickly know the business I might be in front of. It's going to capture any text, any signage, anything that might be in the door or the window that is not an address. So it can be very helpful, the quick reading side of things. But if I move to the right one more time, detailed reading, we have detailed reading. And this is where we will be guided into the taking of a picture, you know, kind of move up, move left, move right. It's going to, to give us that orientation. So we're taking a nice image. And this is what our detailed reading would be when we want to take a picture of a page of text. In this case, the full ingredients list or nutrition facts on this box. So what I'm going to press confirm on detailed reading, and then I'm going to raise my camera above this box and we'll hear it guide me into that photo taking mode. And then you're going to hear the result. So I'm going to press confirm and I'm going to move my microphone slightly out of the way here. So I may sound like I get a little further, but hopefully I'll, I'll stay with it. And I'm going to raise the device and we're going to take a picture of this content detailed and then we'll see reading. how it's broken down. So I'm going to press confirm. Camera ready. And now I'm going to raise the device. Stop moving. Taking picture. 
Cheat Baked Snack Crackers White Cheddar Nutrition Facts About 20 Per Container Serving Size 26 Crackers 30 grams Amount Per Serving Calories 150 Total Fat 7 Grams Saturated Fat Okay, so right away we're getting a perfect example of what can happen when you take OCR of something and you get some pertinent information, some very valid information. Okay, these are white cheddar Cheez-Its. It says there's 20 per serving, which I've said this in the webinars last week. Nobody out there. Nobody, nobody does. Nobody I was eats say, 20 who does that? Yeah, please. No one. Because as soon as you start eating Cheez-Its, you eat as many Cheez-Its as you can eat. Like you just eat them. They're so good. I mean, I don't know. So, but what you then heard was it said, oh, sodium and this and that. And then it just starts reading numbers. It starts just going crazy, right? It starts to read things and you don't know what lines up with what. What is 150 and what is this and that? And we don't know. So what we've done is if I use my right arrow, we can browse some of this kind of information in more of a broken down sort of sense. So I'm going to press my right arrow. Browse nutrition facts. And we hear that it says browse nutrition press facts. Press confirm to browse text using this category. So it's broken down. It sees there's a table of nutrition facts and it's brought that form in. Press my right arrow again. Browse text blocks. And here's our text blocks. So again, press there's a difference to browse text using this category between the kind of the text blocks and the nutrition facts. The nutrition facts are going to be presented in a table, so it'll make more sense. I'm going to activate that category and you can kind of hear what it does to those numbers. Browse nutrition facts. I'm going to press confirm. Calcium, 20 milligrams, 20%. So what that tells me, and I can use, again, my right arrow. Saturated, 1.5 grams, 7%. So what we're hearing is, we're hearing the amount per serving of you know, saturated fat, of calcium. And then we're hearing what that is in our total daily value of that particular stat, right? So a lot of times we miss this information, or when we come across it, it's just kind of read as this massive series of numbers, and we struggle to kind of make sense of all of it. So what we're trying to do and this is where the term artificial intelligence has a lot of sort of implications because it's not just about a machine learning, you know, how to interpret something. It's also just presenting information in a way it's saying, well, this is a table. We're going to present each of these items as such, and they're going to make sense to you. So it's not just reading this in one huge clump of text. Saturated, one iron, 1.2 milligrams, 1.2%. So again, you're kind of able to hear the different categories. And if I take different photos, you know, there may be an ingredients list that would be separate from the nutrition facts, you know, and, and it would give me that as its own category as well. So you're able to break down what this is. Again, detailed reading. I'm going to come back one more time and just briefly give you an Browse example of camera what ready. happens when I kind of try to take a kind of a crummy photo. It's going to guide me to actually rotate take clockwise. the photo rotate clockwise. a little better. So rotate move clockwise, farther. move farther, rotate counterclockwise, right? I'm just kind of off, rotate counterclockwise. And so it will guide you to take that right Stop moving, kind of photo taking picture. until it's right. Here it is. Now it's right. GA baked and snack it's going to come crackers, up with it. white cheddar nutrition facts about 20. And again, I'm going to press the voice button to stop that from reading that large amount of information. And then I can go in and kind of dive into or start to extrapolate more of that text in a more detailed vein. So just a quick example. The other thing I can share with you is a quick demonstration that I recorded actually last week of how address detection works. And for this, it's a very short audio recording, but you can kind of get a sense of how the device will interpret and kind of look at door detection and address recognition. If that's all right, I'd, I'd love to share that as well. Absolutely. So what I'll do is yeah, I'll just bring up a very quick piece. So if I may, I'll share a brief kind of description of how that door detection works. 
I am going, again, this is an audio recording of myself in the warm, beautiful summer day that we had last week in Chicago. So I'm not here to make anybody too jealous, but you will definitely hear our cicada friends and a little bit of a gentle breeze. You know, again, not trying to rub it in. Hopefully it's not freezing where you are. If you're listening to this in Australia or somewhere, I I apologize, but we're going to share this here. So here we go. All right, everybody, we are outside for this wonderful door detection demo. You will hear the cicadas and hopefully you will hear me too. I am in the front of my house. We're going to take a picture of a door with an address and we're going to kind of go through the process of what that sounds like with the new Stellar Trek. I am in orientation mode and to get into our door detection mode or address confirmation, we're going to press and hold the up arrow. So I'm going to do that now. Detection modes, address confirmation. And the very first option here is address confirmation. So I'm going to press confirm. Camera ready. And we'll receive an announcement that the camera is ready. And at this point, I'm going to hold my device up so that the buttons are facing me. Again, the USB-C port will be at the bottom, kind of pointed toward the ground. My two cameras will be facing away from me at the top of the unit. And I'm going to scan at about head level. And when I encounter a door, I'll receive a series of beeps. If the beeps get closer together, so I did hear a quick beep, but what we want is more of a rapid sort of rapid fire kind of beep sequence. And when we hear them, we'll know we have a door in focus. So I'm going to scan and we're going to get this sort of beeps. We hear that a door is present and there's very rapid beeps. I'm gonna press confirm. And we're gonna get what we find. Please wait. One door, two house numbers. Door with number 826 found within 10 feet and less at 12 o'clock. So what it does is it gives you the, you hear that I found two numbers here and I do live in a townhome complex so it could be seeing some other things. But the, the piece of this is you're getting where the door is located and you'll also get the number. You can press your right arrow House number to move through your house numbers number and kind of hear if it finds more than one door or more than one number. You'll also hear where that is in location to yourself as you went from when you've taken that photo. So again, a quick demonstration of how door detection and address confirmation will work. And I will point out that this is indeed correct. So what's great there is, and I didn't know this when I took that, you heard that it found two house numbers and they were right. I do live at 826. I had asked my wife who was cited, I said, why is this picking up two numbers? There's no reason for it unless it's, I mean, I thought maybe it's finding the neighbors something or I don't know. And she goes, no, our, our house has two addresses, the same address, but it's post. It's up there two times. One is on the mailbox and that's where it says door with number 826. And the other is actually a plaque on the brick to the right of that, that says just house number 826. Huh? So I learned something new and I've lived here 14 years. It's not like uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, wow. Okay. But again, what we're hearing is kind of how that AI can be used offline to get us, again, we get to our destination, that final 20, 25 feet. You know, we do want to know, maybe there's no one around to ask, where am I? And sometimes you might use door detection and it gives you nothing. You know, you're at a business and you get nothing. We need to aim our camera above the door. We need to think about other ways of using the camera, or maybe we just use quick reading to try and read a plaque or what's on the window, or, you know, there's other ways. It's not just about door detection, but we're seeing kind of what we're able to do with a device like this in standalone mode to utilize those cameras, both when we're sitting around, we want to read a box of tree of Cheez-Its or if we're out and about, and we just want to know if we've gotten to the proper address or maybe what business or, or where we might be located in front of. So it, it's a very unique way to add a lot of potential to the devices that we've been committed to for the better part of two decades with standalone GPS products. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, and as you heard in Peter's demo, currently it'll guide you with a series of beep. You'll get you know increasingly faster beeps to better frame the picture you got. But in a new version that's coming up in the fall or perhaps the winter, depending on how well it goes, we've actually improved that to bring up the framing instructions from the detailed reading mode that we had earlier. So it's going to tell you, tilt your device up, tilt your device left, go to right. And then it'll help, you know, have a better sense of where you need to aim your cameras to get the proper picture to get the door. Love it. That kind of guidance is always really helpful. And I also love the fact that it orients you to where the door is in relation to you. So yes, that's, that's amazing. really nice. Love it. Yep. It was always that final 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, maps are as accurate as they can be. But even myself being a sighted person, when I, for example, when I go to my mom's, she lives at 39. And then the GPS thinks that 39 is about like two houses down from where she really is. <laughs> so if I were a blind person, then I would be standing in front of the right house. It would tell me, telling me you're at your destination. Right. When in reality, I have to go two houses down further. So obviously it's easier for me being sighted to make the adjustment. But if I were blind and I could use my third track and then take a picture of the door and it would tell me you're at 59, not 49. And then, you know, I couldn't move and, and I down. And I think, you know, as Chris pointed out earlier, one of the, uh, it's a little tough, not that it can't be done. You can always ring a doorbell, but it's a little harder to just open a door and say, Hey, what address yes. is this house? You know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's funny too, because where we live, the address might be four and the map says that there's a four, but then the map also says the next house over is six. In reality, the next house over is eight. So six doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, maps are accurate as can be. Any map system, even Google Maps, you know, will have some failures sometimes. So at the end of the day, that final 40 feet navigation is truly is, you know, as Peter said, you can always ring the doorbell and and get it from the person who lives there, but perhaps there's no one there, perhaps, you know. And you know what, if you can avoid it and figure it out on your own, then all the better. Yeah, that would have helped me a couple months ago where the wrong somebody dropped off somebody else's package. So UPS delivered somebody else's package and I had to go find out where they lived. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to know because you're thinking, I've never been to this address. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. We've had a lot of very, very successful beta testing with this in terms of identifying doors, identifying addresses, you know, that real-time text. It's been, you know, and also the problem solving is, so let's say you don't find a door or address, but you know, there is something there, you know, switching over to quick reading or trying some other pieces, you know, to get what you're looking for. And we've had a lot of successful sort of testing. And now that we're in real time, so now that the product is available, we're very curious to kind of hear where this kind of gets everybody as we mature. Yep. Very cool. So now that we've piqued everyone's interest, they obviously want to learn more. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of this in terms of pricing and how people can learn more. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of pricing for the unit, it is priced at $15.95 in the US and $19.95 in Canada. For our overseas listeners, the pricing is dependent on every country you're at. So I would recommend reaching out to your local human or product dealer and getting information there. But yeah, if you want more information, you can also visit the humanware.com website. We'll have, we did a webinar that was about two hours long last week, Peter and myself, that will be posted on YouTube sometime this week. I think it's being uploaded as we speak, actually. I had a message earlier from one of my colleagues that that was uploading it. So it should be available today on either the 6th or the 7th. And then, uh, yeah, humanware.com for all details. And we've also created a groups.io page called Stellar Trek users at groups.io. If you guys want to join this user group, we'll be more than happy to entertain you there. 
Yes. And the other piece is that there are some snapshot tutorial videos available as well. You know, we try to break down a lot of typical tasks into about three to five, six minute videos with the exception of the getting started guide. That one's about 20 minutes long, the sort of startup wizard. Matthew and myself have created snapshots. So if you want to hear the product in action before you know, making a decision, or if you just want to hear how it sounds, you certainly can do that by checking out our snapshot tutorial videos that are available on our YouTube channel. Those can certainly also be accessed through the HW Humanware, HW Buddy application available on iOS and Android. Fantastic. And I will make sure to link to the Humanware YouTube channel, probably directly to the webinar as well. And you guys can get more information that way. And of course, humanware.com will get you to where you want to go as well. Well, thank you you tremendously. We really, we always appreciate being able to come on. Certainly was thrilled to see an email come through from Chris. And, you know, I know that you guys will hear from us as we kind of push this stuff forward. So as we make more improvements, I'm sure we will be back. And I'm just really glad we can have a chance to introduce Matt to everybody. Love it. And and we're just excited to be here. I'm really happy I could be here today and I'm looking forward to talking again soon. Absolutely. Of course, we appreciate having you guys on. We haven't gotten to connect with Peter since CSUN, so it's been a while and it's just a blast to get to have you guys on and talk about it. Phenomenal. Thank you for your visit to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. You're welcome anytime. We certainly hope you enjoyed learning about the Stellar Trek as much as we did. Pretty fascinating stuff. We're looking forward to watching how this develops over time. And it was great to meet Matt. So new product manager for things like the stream, the Trek, and now the new Stellar Trek as well. Thank you, everybody. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.